Hey everyone, Mario Barecki here, and I am known as the Conversation Guy. I'm also the founder of MediaMar, and at MediaMar, we help thought leaders craft and distribute conversations that convert. I believe everything starts with a conversation. I believe conversations are the most powerful way to create connections, to create relationships, and to create opportunities with each other. So everything has a basis in conversation. And on this podcast that you're about to listen to, I'm going to have 10-minute conversations with thought leaders to do just that, create relationships, create opportunity, but more importantly, to convey value, value from them and their perspective and how they operate on a daily basis, and to really tell a story that can bring some value and positivity tips, tricks, ideas, what have you, to your life to make it better. So sit back, relax, buckle in. It's going to be a wild ride. I know those things don't quite go together. Sit back, relax, and buckle in. But it's going to be a lot of fun, and we're going to get the conversation started right now. And as always, don't forget, if you like what you hear, please rate and review our podcast. I am super excited to have a very special guest here on the program with us today. Brian Clayton is here, and Brian's just an overall cool dude. He's super easy to talk to. He's achieved so much in uh, in his business journey up to this point, but he is the type of person that I love talking to because you can have a real-world conversation with him. He's a real dude. He's just doing really cool stuff. He is the CEO and co-founder of GreenPal, which is an online marketplace that connects homeowners with local lawn care professionals. GreenPal has been called the Uber for lawn care by Entrepreneur Magazine and has over 100,000 active users, completing thousands of transactions per day. Before starting GreenPal, Brian founded... Peachtree Inc., one of the largest landscaping companies in the state of Tennessee, growing it to over $10 million a year in annual revenue before it was acquired by Lusa Holdings in 2013. His interest and expertise are related to entrepreneurialism, small business growth, marketing, bootstrapping businesses, which I also love, by the way, from zero revenue to profitability and exit. So you can find more about him at, what what is your website? Is it mygreenpal.com? yourgreenpal.com so go to yourgreenpal.com check out i I was at your site actually brian uh yesterday or a couple days ago i was talking to some people i know about it because i know that they could use your services so i was looking at it and i love it it's so intuitive and it's something that i think a lot of people need i mean taking technology and mixing it in with lawn care which is something like look i cut grass when i was a kid especially for my like for my grandpa and things like that and while I liked helping him out, I don't love doing it. I would much <laughs> rather have someone else like you or like the people that work with Green Pal come and do it for me, and you make it so easy. So thank you for doing that. Hey, my pleasure. And it's great to be on. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's so great to have you. And let's talk a little bit about I, – I love, love, love two things I want to talk about. I want to kind of cover over the course of this episode and the next one, and that is number one, bootstrapping, because I love that. I love going, starting and not going and looking for – you know, investors' money and round one, round two, all these things. If you can bootstrap and you can figure out how to generate revenue from your idea, you're going to be much better off. The other thing is with GreenPal, it's such an innovative idea and it's something that I think is going to be so helpful for so many people around in the US and around the world. So let's start there. Tell us a little bit about GreenPal. Where did that idea come from? And, you know, how did you take action and get it started? Yeah, so I'm a lifelong entrepreneur. I've, I've actually been in the lawn mowing business my entire life. Uh, when I was in high school, my dad came up to my room one day when I was playing Nintendo and, and said, hey, listen, we have a job to do. We're going to go mow the neighbor's yard. And so we went over to the neighbor's yard and cut the grass and made 20 bucks and we split it. And 
ever since then, I was just hooked. I was hooked on owning my own business. I, I loved uh, the idea of, of just making as much money as I wanted to, as hard as I wanted to work. And by the end of that summer, I, I had like 10 people in the neighborhood that I was mowing their yard for. And I grew that business throughout high school and throughout college. By the time I graduated college, I had something like around 50 employees. And over a 15 year period of time, I grew that little lawn mowing business from just myself and a push mower to over 150 people, uh, over 100 trucks going out every day, $10 million a year in, in sales and sold that company in 2013. Uh, it was acquired by one of the largest landscaping companies in the United States. After that, I took some time off. I, I retired officially and I got bored. I realized that, hey, you know, I'm wired to love business. Business is the thing that causes me to stay sharp, that causes me to level up. And I, I wanted to start something new. And really the idea, I had been toying around with the idea for a long time, uh, seeing what uh, technology was doing for ride sharing and like what Airbnb was doing for accommodations and all of this disruption that was taking place. And I thought, okay, a marketplace and a platform needs to exist for the very thing that I've spent the last 15 years of my life doing. So the idea came very naturally to me. And I decided to recruit a team, put together a team of friends that uh, I've known for a long time, and we started GreenPal. And we set off on this journey to build from scratch the marketplace for making it as easy as pushing a button to get your lawn mowed. Uh, that was in the summer of 2014. So here we are six, seven years later, uh, and starting that business was just as hard as starting the first one, uh, going from zero customers, zero revenue. Uh, I think we finished our first year with around 20, we, with 22 people that were using it. Half of them were my family. And now today we have over 200,000 people that use the platform to get their lawn mowed on a, on a weekly or biweekly basis. This year, we're going to pass $20 million in revenue. And looking back six, seven years ago, starting with zero, I didn't realize how hard it was going to be. If I had known, I probably would have never done it. But I'm glad I did because now, now we've got a good uh, platform going that thousands of people get benefit from. We've got revenue and, and we've got some momentum that we've manufactured. And now it's starting to get to be fun again. That, that's so interesting that you say how, how it was hard at the beginning like that because, you know, a lot of times when I talk to people – you know, they think the, the entrepreneurs have this perception that once I have one successful business and I sell it, and if I start another one, I'm going to have all these resources and all this knowledge. It's going to be easier. Mm. I mean, that's not necessarily the case, right? I was seduced by that uh, that idea that that yeah, I've got I've got a win under my belt. Um, I'm financially stable. I yeah, this second one should be a breeze. I shouldn't have to work that hard. And it was probably what until at the end of the first year, I was like, holy crap. This is going to be 10 times harder than I thought it was going to be. And there were many reasons for that. One was we, we were building something that did not exist. We were inventing a brand new product. So we weren't executing a known game plan. There was nobody I could really look at and, and, and emulate. And so we were having to figure out how to build the product, how to, how to architect the marketplace through just sheer trial and error. Compounding that with we, we didn't raise any outside money uh, in, in large part because I just feel like Revenue is the best form of financing. It's, it's, it's an ethos that took me through my first business and, and I applied it to my second business. In many ways, I was able to sell the first company because I had grown it debt free and I didn't have any outside investors. So when it came time to navigate the exit, it was a very, it was a very quick, clean, uh, easy uh, proposition because, because we, did, we weren't layered, uh, mired down with debt. And so I wanted to use that same approach building the second company, but it made it really hard in the first five years, uh, bootstrapping it, building it with no revenue. It was kind of like 
it's kind of like the movie Castaway uh, with Tom Hanks when he's you know he's trying to get that little fire going. You're just you're just really trying to get that spark, and it takes a long time to make that happen. So I didn't I underindexed on that. And then the third thing that I under underestimated was the the difficulty of going from a sheer like blue collar analog entrepreneur traditional style business, which is hard in its own right, to a a, a 100% technology driven business. I didn't understand uh, how hard it was going to be to learn the skills to design software, build software, distribute software. My team and I had to learn all of these things from scratch on our own just by pouring over blogs, watching videos, taking classes online, listening to podcasts like this one. So all of those things took a lot of time and, and were a lot harder than I thought they were going to be building a second company. Here we are now. We've got some momentum going. So looking back, I'm glad I did it, but I didn't realize how hard it was, it was actually going to be. <laughs> Now, going back to that first business that you grew, when you were actively growing that business, did you have intent of selling or were you growing it just to build the business and build an asset for yourself? And then the the, uh, acquisition of selling it just came along and it was like, hey, this is a good opportunity. I would love to tell you that that I had architected this this dream to go from like okay year one to year five ten or fifteen and, and navigate and like sell this business because I could have had a much better outcome if I had done that. The reality was, I I, I was just I had I, I just wanted to have the biggest damn landscaping company in my city. Like I mean that was really just what I wanted, and I and I wanted to have the most profitable landscaping company. So I was driven by that and. and I was driven by that, that kind of part of my ego. And also like, I just loved the team that I was putting together. As, I mean, we went from 10 to 20 to 50 to 100 people. That was just a lot of fun. And so I really like wanted to hire more people. I wanted to have, increase sales and, and make it as big as I could so I could make my team as big as I could because those people were really my family. And, and so Doing that, I was able to build a big business and a profitable business, but one that not, not necessarily was just groomed for acquisition. And so if I could have done it all over again, I, I would have focused more on, on building like systems that were standardized throughout the industry that could have ported into other, other organizations. I would have read books like Built to Sell um, and, and another book called The E-Myth, which are two good books that kind of that kind of codify the methodology of building a McDonald's style business that can run, you know, without you as completely systemized. The reality of a reality of how it turned out was this business was basically me with scaffolding going out from me. And like I was at the core of it and, and everything depended on me being there. It wasn't until like year like 13, 14 that the idea of, Hey, maybe, you know, I might look at selling this company uh, came about. And then I had to like go back and reverse engineer and like, and then re like take my business down to the studs and almost build it back up. So it could be acquired. And that process took two full years. Had I done that all along, I, I, it would have been a lot more seamless. And I would have had a, a, probably a, an outcome twice the size as, as I had. So, you know, looking back, you know, it's 2020, but, but, uh, and, and again, like I was building this business, I didn't know what I was doing. I was in my twenties. I was just kind of like cobbling it together as I went. So it, it did work out, but I could have I could have done it in probably half the time and had a better outcome, knowing what I know now. What's the most difficult thing you had to overcome building a business? For me, uh, there were a lot of things. Uh, I mean, where do you even start? Um, HR is tough. You know, re- recruiting people and, and hiring people and keeping them and cultivating a culture that people uh, want to be a part of was hard. I did that wrong for many, many, many years. 
it wasn't until I kind of I started. I read a book called Start with Why by Simon Sinek and under, understood that you know to really like build a strong culture, you, you need to tap into people's souls and, and understand. Okay, it, it's more than just money. It's more than just what their paycheck is. You, you need to make a create more of like a family like atmosphere for your business. And we were able to do that building that company. It was a lot of fun. We one thing that we did. Uh, a lot of our our workers were from Central and South America, and and they would send a lot of their money back home. And one thing we would do is we would finance any project that our team brought to us interest free. And so uh, they could be building a house. They could like want to put a, a kid through school. Uh, one guy built a soccer stadium back in Guatemala. And every quarter we would we would have our team uh, propose to the company, OK, I want to do this thing and I need like, you know, eighty thousand dollars and we would loan it out interest free. And then every month we would like celebrate the wins on, OK, this is how this project's going and this is how this is how, you know, it's 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 progressing. And like we would enjoy that as a family together. And that became the why of why we did what we did. And, and uh, when the company, you know, prospered, the, the people did. And when the people prospered, the company prof- prospered. And so like tapping into that, it was, 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 was something that took a very long time for me to figure out. And, and it was hard because I did it wrong for so long. Um, there's a saying that says you get exactly the company culture that you deserve. So as a CEO, as a business owner, if you have one person, if you have five people, a lot of times it can get to be where you just, you know, you, you go into the office pissed off because you don't like the people you work with or or so one of your people is annoying you or they showed up late or whatever. The thing is, you have to look at yourself in the mirror and say, OK, you get exactly what you deserve in terms of of the pleasantness and the culture that you have in your in your small or large business, because it's a reflection of you. And that was a hard thing that I had to go through and learn the hard way. For, and it took me years, years to figure that out. Well, that's that's really, really a sound advice right there because the culture drives pretty much everything, right? I mean, if you can get that right and you create the culture that you want, then because I, it's that old saying in business that, you know, everyone says customer first, but really I think it's team first. Yeah, because if really you take is. care of your team and you take care of your, you know, your people, they'll take care of the customers all right along with you. Absolutely. And, and customer surf, customer first can be a slippery slope because if you're customer first, there's some customers that might not be a good fit for your business. And if you if you suffer them, they piss off your team. And then if your team's pissed off, then they can't serve the good customers. And so so customer, you know, the customer's always right. Customers first. Yeah, I mean, maybe, but it's more oriented around, OK, let's take care of our team first and then the in the customer satisfaction follows. I love it. Well, Brian, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate everything you shared. I can't wait to have you back on the next episode because we definitely have more to talk about. I want to talk about bootstrapping and see what else, what other fun topics come up. I want to remind people, yourgreenpal.com is where they can go and find you and check out all the cool stuff you're doing in the, not only the lawn care space, but the digital space and with GreenPal, which I absolutely love. So I want to really encourage people to go there. And I look forward to picking it up on the next show with you. Awesome. Enjoyed it. Hey everyone, I want to sincerely thank you for listening to the podcast. It really means a lot to me. Conversations are what I thrive on. It's something that I believe is so important for each and every one of us to have conversations that matter, to have conversations that connect us, to create relationships with each other. So the conversation that I have with the guests that are on the show, the conversations that the guests and I create to have with you are equally important and a great way for you to have conversations with us is to rate and review the podcast. So if you could go to Apple Podcasts, go to wherever you listen to your podcasts and rate and review this, it is much appreciated. And you can always find us 
at MediaMario.com. If you go to MediaMario.com, you can find all the things there. If you want to connect with the guests that I had on today or guests that I've had on the show in the past, you can go to MediaMario.com and get their information. If you want to connect with me and have a conversation with me, I welcome that. All my social links everywhere that you can find me all over the web is at MediaMario.com. So go there, visit us, connect with us. I'd love to have conversations with you. I hope you found value in today's show, and I can't wait to bring you the next conversation on the next episode of The Conversation Guy. Until then, have a wonderful day, and we'll talk to you real soon.